Welcome to Lipstick Attitude, hosted by Dr. Elizabeth King, psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, author, and motivational speaker, specializing in trauma and women's mental health, and Yvonne Haas, psychotherapist and coach specializing in relationships, couples, and women's issues. This show is your dose of inspiration, information, and laughter. In each episode, Dr. King and Yvonne bring you hacks, tips, and inspiring stories to help you live a successful life. So ladies, grab your lipstick. It's time to do this. The Lipstick Attitude Podcast is powered by Suits, Stilettos, and Lipstick Foundation, a nonprofit movement to empower women and children from all walks of life to be resilient, self-confident, and purposeful leaders through education, mentorship, and community outreach. To learn more, visit sslwomen.org. Please note that this show is intended to empower and educate. It is not meant to be utilized as a substitute for individual therapy. Go ahead and mute yourself if you guys are going to be talking. So I'm going to introduce Rita Case is the president and CEO of the Rick Case Automotive Group. She owns and operates the Rick Case Dealership Group, which produces over $1 billion in annual sales and ranks among the largest dealer groups nationally. The 14 dealerships are located in South Florida, Atlanta, and in Georgia, offering many franchises and recognized for setting national volume sales records. So Rita, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to pass the mic over to you and Dr. King for this much anticipated fireside chat. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. So yes, we're going to have uh, a little chat, just uh, relax. We're going to be talking as if we're doing a girls' time. And so um, everybody have a wonderful time getting to know Rita. Rita, it's such a privilege to sit down with you tonight to do this interview. I also have been following you forever. And of course, we've met many a time um, in our philanthropic work uh, in the community. Um, thank you so much for saying yes to being part of our International Women's Day celebration, Lead Out Loud, Women Empowering Women's Virtual Summit. I'm going to ask you some questions. And then at the end, we're going to open it up for Q&A so that the audience can also ask you questions. You have been individually recognized to your for your contribution to the auto industry, earning many major achievement awards, including leading women in the North American automobile industry. You have also been honored by so many local organizations for your philanthropic efforts. I recently read on the a South Florida Business Journal that Rick Case Automotive is now one of the largest women owned companies in South Florida. That's pretty impressive. I also read a great article um, that City Insure wrote about you that said, her story is a tale about breaking barriers, defying what people thought she could be, or maybe about what women in general are capable of doing and about ignoring what they said she couldn't do. Her story is also about becoming the best at what she does. Tonight, I want to drill down on all aspects of your life because we all want to know your secret sauce. <laughs> um, so what does Lead Out Loud mean to you, Rita? Well, you know, first of all, Dr. King and your whole entire group, uh, thank you for including me tonight. I'm honored to speak to your audience and I'm excited to share, you know, some of my, uh, some of the things that I've learned along the way 
I'm now 66, so I'm, I'm heading into what I would consider the phase of inexperienced leader in uh, women in the uh, automotive industry. So, you know, lead out loud to me is, is like making a statement. It's making a statement, either a visual, verbal, or, or emotional, you know, that'll create a path to you know, achieve your goals. You know, you've got to define your goal, you've got to write down your goal, and then you've got to lead out loud by making statements that will create the results that you expect. And your goals cannot be achieved if they're not let out loud. And, and that doesn't mean being the loudest voice in the room. It, it means being the loudest statement in the room. And what I mean by a statement is that you need to make a memorable impact. When you, when you have a goal and you make it a memorable takeaway impact, you're going to get to where you want to go. And, um, you know, an example of making a statement is like if you want a promotion, let's say you want a promotion in your job, you know, make statements that lead out loud to your boss and to your coworkers that you want, you deserve, and you'll be successful if given the opportunity for that promotion. Have a plan, write it down, work the plan and don't give up. That, that takes time. And, um, it, it, you know, people talk about, you know, time off. You really can't get to where you want to be with a lot of time off and a lot of play time. If you really want your goal and you have, really have a passion, then you have to make your work really your, your spare time, your play time as well. So I, I, my, my point is that, you know, make statements that emulate what you're trying to impress and continually make statements. They can be verbal, they can be visual, they can be emotional. So that when you, you're, you're approaching what, you're, what you want, you are ready. The people around you know what your goals are. And, and with this confidence, this courage, this determination, you will have a lead out loud with a memorable statement that you know, when that position opens up for that promotion, everyone will say, you know, she's the one that needs to get it. And confidence can only be achieved if you have a plan and then you can lead out loud. And you can replace my example of promotion with, you know, getting the sale, getting the job, getting a raise. But my lead out loud process is making a memorable statement every day, all day. And I'm sure that, you know, you notice my hat, you know, about yeah, my hat. Gonna say that. and you know, that's, that's confidence. That's a memorable statement to make every day that I make personally every day. And it helps me reach my goal for being the largest volume female car dealer in the United States. Because when I go anywhere, people say, oh, that's Rita Case. And she has the car dealerships. I know. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, well, let's jump down a little bit further back. How did you even get started in this male-dominated industry? I want you to share that because everybody that I know wondering, I certainly am. And what were some of the challenges that you had to face getting there? Well, you know, initially, my father was a motorcycle and a car mechanic. He had a little small garage. My mom, you know, answered the phone and my dad worked on the the vehicles. And uh, Honda came out with a, the little nifty thrifty Honda 50, which was in 1959. 
So my dad put those little motorcycles out in front and, uh, you know, went on with his, with his shop. And then uh, we all know the story of Honda. It grew. And uh, my dad was awarded the first Honda car franchise in the United States. That was in 68. And um, so there was a little sign on the door that said, if you're interested in a Honda car, go next door. And if you want a motorcycle, you know, the big store was the big motorcycle store and the Honda cars. We sold 10 cars our first year. In a whole year, we sold 10. Okay, that's how few were sold. It was that difficult to sell. And uh, so I, I wanted to prove to my dad that I could be the best car dealer. And, you know, he didn't want me to be the, the, the successor. He wanted one of my brothers to be it. He wanted, you know, one of my brothers to be the car dealer. It was what was expected. It was what was accepted. We're talking about the 70s. I'm not sure the age of my audience tonight, but the 70s was a while ago. So, um, you know, I, I believe... I believe that I had this burning desire to prove to my dad that I could do it, that I could defy all what he was uh, thinking was right for me and what uh, seemed right in the industry. And I believe it had to do with my birth order, which you, some of you in the audience um, may also have that as a core um, motivation for you as well. You might just not have discovered it yet, but I was the third youngest. I wasn't the oldest girl, I wasn't the oldest boy, and I wasn't the youngest child. My, my, I had a younger brother. So I called myself in the valley. I was in the crack, and uh, I wasn't at the top of the mountain. Nothing was a first with me. I was just in the pack. And um, so I always strive to be recognized, to get to the top of the mountain, to be in my dad's eyes that I was someone in the group. And so while I was in high school, that was when I really determined, was determined to prove to my dad that I was going to be a successful dealer. And um, it didn't matter that I was a woman. And I would, I would make, you know, um, there would be so many negative statements about me being in the meetings and things. Uh, you know, I had to prove to everyone all the time why I was in the room. You know, it was like, uh, oh, she's only there because she's the dealer's daughter and he's just bringing her along. Or the winks of flirtation from all the men. Because remember, I was the only woman in the room. And today, 99% of the time, I am the only woman in the room. It's just not a business that women have been attracted to. So, um, and I have a whole nother reason why I believe that. But uh, back, to, back to your question, you know, it was always that half smile, condescending look at me, like, what do you have to say that matters? So it made me very strong. It made me very determined. Uh, you know, I, you know, let out loud and I, I screamed, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to prove all of you wrong. And so it was that determination to prove to my dad first so that I could be recognized in the birth order. And then it was just a burning desire that I was going to do it. So I ended up taking over the dealership from my parents. My older brother didn't do it. My older sister went off to her thing. My younger brother didn't do it. And uh, and I you know that that's how I got in the car business. Okay, so how about let's take it to the next level. How did you meet Rick and how did you get to be Rick and Rita Case? <laughs> let's talk about that. 
Well, um, I met Rick naturally at a car convention, a Honda car oh, convention. <laughs> he was an Ohio Honda dealer and I was a California Honda dealer. And we met at a con Honda car convention. We were both single. Most of the people were all married. Uh, we were both passionate about the same goals. Uh, you know, we wanted to be the best. We just, we had this, we just sought out each other when we got to know each other that we just had this burning desire. I told him, I am going to be the biggest, the baddest, the best female car dealer in the country. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to be the biggest, the baddest, the best <laughs> car dealer in the country. And, uh, and we just, we just had this great bond of uh, enthusiasm and passion to be great. Nothing was going to get in our way. And over time, it, it, you know, we ended up becoming attracted to each other because of that. And uh, it's probably because, you know, we were so passionate and we were so energetic that we just fed off each other's ideas. And we got married in 1980, just over, you know, 40 years ago. I relocated from California to Ohio, uh, where his dealership was. And, you know, darn it, I, if I didn't have to start all over again, I had just spent all those years earning the respect as a, com as a competent dealer in my hometown, in my community. I'd shedded the dealer daughter's, you know, title. It was out the window. And now I had to start at the bottom all over because now I was the freaking dealer's wife. And let me tell you, <laughs> that's a whole nother story, how I climbed that mountain. To, and that's for another day. But, uh, but to answer your question, you know, Rick and I built this business um, as equal partners. He always accepted me as an equal because I was an equal. When I came to him, I had just as much, you know, knowledge, not quite as much as experience. He was a little bit older than me, but still I had the work ethic, the passion, the commitment. We both worked full time together daily for over 40 years we were married. You know, we raised two children. Uh, we have a, a son that's 39 now and a daughter that's 37. And we accomplished side by side together community initiatives, as you know, that raised over $100 million for organizations to improve the lives in the community. So people always ask me, you know, uh, you know, how did you guys do it? How did you not just like kill each other? Yes. And it was, Good question. It was, that was my next question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> People are always asking me because they all know that, you know, I had just a type A, you know, driving, you know, attitude of confidence and courage. And, and you know, I was going to do it my way. I was going to make it. And he had that same. And the way we were able to be married all those years, raise our children and work every day in, in a business partnership was, it's really three simple words. And that's respect, communication, and compromise. And those three words will make any relationship work. So that's how, you know, I got with Rick and we were like, uh, just, on the gas from the moment we got married. Uh, I never went to Ohio till I got married. My friends in California thought I was totally insane. They were like, you're moving from sunny California to, you know, no sun, Akron. And I said, I, you know, it doesn't matter. We're going to make history together. So, you know, I didn't even realize there was no sun. I was so busy you know, working. Well, you know, it's, a, it's amazing that, uh... 40 years ago, Rick was so open 
to an equal partnership. Um, so that speaks a lot of who Rick was, um, you know, and, and it speaks a lot to your strength and your courage as well, Rita, because I, I don't think you would have married him unless he would have been okay. I could see that already. <laughs> I don't think it would have worked otherwise. I was going to follow up with that, actually. <laughs> I mean, he, he never would have got the gal from California. He would never have got the California girl if I hadn't been absolutely positive that he understood that, um, you know, I wasn't, I walked in the first day and I just was like, you know, where am I going to go? You know, no one's going to take me seriously. Uh, you know, so I just, I just hit the parts and service. Like I said, that's a whole nother story, but I took the job that nobody else wanted parts and service. <laughs> so I became a parts and service director for his dealership and I stayed oh, wow. out of his way until I, until I made my own respect and my own uh, admiration and, and, and then we, we, we just had motorcycles, some motorcycle dealerships and a car dealership at the time. And, and then uh, we, we, he had four, four motorcycle dealerships. And in five years, we had 14. And then we started taking on together all these different franchises that had never been introduced in the United States before. We were the first Acura dealer, the first Hyundai dealer, the first Kia dealer, you know, the first Daewoo dealer. That was a mistake, though. And we were the first uh, smart car dealer. There was another one that didn't last. But, you know, over 50% of our decisions worked out. So but we were we always tried everything. That's awesome. We worked really, really hard. Rita, um, recently you lost your beloved husband, Rick, and uh, a great loss to our community. Um, my condolences. But I, I know that um, many are probably questioning whether Rita is going to continue the legacy in, in the industry. Um, what do you say to that? I say that um, I've been the COO, which is Chief Operating Officer, for over 40 years for the Rick Case Automotive Group. I took it from a couple dealerships to being over, you know, over a billion dollars in sales with over 1,300 associates in several states. We did that together. Uh, as partners, as equal partners, he was the namesake. It was the right thing to do to call it Rick Case. And um, he was the CEO because that was the right thing as well. Um, and I have no a question in my mind that I will continue Rick's Case Automotive Group's name. I will respect Rick's legacy. And I will... I will, he said to me, he said, Rita, he said, when he was passing away, he said, listen, he said, I got one thing you got to do for me. And he, I said, what's that, honey? And he says, you got to beat my records because nobody else ever could. So uh, you, can be working on that. <laughs> you can be assured that the company is in great hands with me. Uh, I have a very strong team. Uh, most of our associates in leadership have been with us many, many years. And um, they're all behind me. Uh, I have been, you know, the chief operating officer really runs the company. And Rick was the face of the uh, uh, advertising. And he was a, a lot of the promotions. And he also did a lot of the community work. He, he definitely was the leader in um, our organization with the community, the Boys and Girls Clubs, the uh, Heart Walk, the American Cancer Society, the Bikes for Kids. He, he spent at least 70% of his day raising money and, and organizing uh, uh, fundraisers 
to make money for the community. And we will jump in there. Me and my two kids, we've divided them up because I couldn't take them all on and run the business. So the kids have taken on a couple of them each. Um, uh, they're very familiar with it. They've worked in the charities with Rick and I for you know all these years. So you can be assured that, um, yes, I've taken the title of CEO, president, and uh, I will continue my quest. I will maintain my position as the world, as the United States largest female car dealer, which was my goal back, you know, I don't know, 1975 when I took it over from my dad. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so give us one piece of advice that you can give all the women that are part of this event. Just a secret sauce, reader case advice of how they could lead out loud. Well, I think that the first thing is, as you could tell from my story, that you have to be very passionate about what you're going to challenge yourself to achieve. If you love it, that's the first goal. Then you've got to be willing to work really, really hard, really, really hard. And you have to be educated. You've got to educate yourself. I educate myself every day on the car business. I've never stopped educating myself. You know, education is the ticket to a great start, but only determination and endurance will succeed. There's no substitute for hard work and there's no shortcuts. So, you know, if you want, whatever your dreams are, if you're really gonna go after something big for yourself, the work-life balance concept is a lot more work than it is spa days, trust me. I love it. Okay, I can't believe it's getting to the end of our chat. I want to know so much more. So we're going to have to have you on the podcast for sure and bring you back because I know everybody's uh, screaming for more. I have so many more questions, but here's your last question from me. What do you want your legacy to be? I think you gave us a little bit of insight on that, but what would you like your legacy to be, Rita? Well, I still want my legacy to be that I was a great female car dealer. I do, I do want to pave the way for other women that they can make it in this very competitive, very difficult, 24-hour-a-day uh, business. And so that would be just part of my legacy, of course. And I want to be known for a very caring, appreciative, and mentoring leader. I want to be remembered as someone who led the community to the biggest heights of any of the organizations in town. I want to be known for leading the, the, uh, my students that I'm putting through college. I have six in our scholarship program, full scholarships at NOVA, that, that I want to mentor them and them to remember me as someone that helped them achieve their goals. And I'm very fond of vocational schools. I have a big vocational scholarship program, Rick and I do. And that's to fund vocational, um, that's to fund vocational tuitions because not everybody is, um, you know, geared for a four-year degree. So one of my legacies will be that, you know, I believe that the greatest gift you can give anyone at any age is education. Because once that's received, you cannot take it away. So education, 
community support, and just being a great car salesman or car saleswoman. Did I say that? <laughs> great car saleswoman. I love it. You know what, uh, Rita, you are already living your legacy. Um, it is all here for everybody to see. You are absolutely amazing. And you have paved the way for so many. And uh, I so appreciate you. And I appreciate you sharing your story. Like I said, we're going to have you back. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And I, if you do read the book, the book is all about our life. So it's a storybook about our life. Uh, and our career in the car business. It's called Our Customers, Our Friends. I'm well, I will, I will, I'll mail it to anybody that you get the names for. Uh, we already have a connection at my office for that. And and it's, it's really about how I achieve my goals. You know, persistence removes resistance. Never take no for an answer. Work your, you know, work your, uh, plan your day and then work your plan. Those are the chapters in the book. You'll really love it. It's a story about Rick and I and how we got where we're at, but at the same time, it's all these practical tools that you can use to achieve your own goals. Well, thank you for sharing and thank you for your generosity in offering that uh, book to all of our guests. Um, so you will be receiving that. And thank you for the work um, that you and Rick have dedicated to, to making a difference in our community. You're doing it. Uh, every day you, you're doing it. So um, can I have a round of applause for Rita? We're gonna ask some questions. We're gonna open up the mic. Thank you so much. I'm sure there's a, a lot of applause going on with their muted technology, um, but let's go ahead and open it up for uh, Q&A. Uh, if anybody has a question, go ahead and just unmute yourself and feel free to ask the question. I want to tell you that I am on my fourth Honda right now. Yay, Lynn. And I absolutely love it. I was, I was going to sell it about maybe four months ago. And my mechanic said to me, you know what? This car is still incredible. It looks fantastic. And I've had it for about nine years. Um, <laughs> and I decided, I looked around at some other cars and I decided, you know what? I still love it. Like I, I absolutely love this car. So um, I just want to say a shout out to Hondas. That's great. You know, actually we don't really like you kind of customer. We like you to trade out like I know. <laughs> that's okay. I know. Uh, I, my dad, when we were the first Honda dealers in the country, I've always, you know, admired Hondas. Uh, I fly a Honda jet. That's one of my side hobbies. So uh, I have a Honda awesome. jet, but I'm a pilot. And I'll tell you, they make an amazing product, no matter what, whether it's a lawnmower or a jet. Wow. Oh, my God. <clears throat> I have to get into the jets now. That sounds fantastic. Thank you. I have a question. I, I read somewhere that you created a, an educational program for your associates called Rapport. And it fascinated me because you included in that work-life balance and leadership. Can you talk a little bit about how you created that uh, duality for your employees? Well, Rapport is a, uh, a program that we um, sent our people to that's not a Rick Case program. It's an outside vendor that has, a, um, that has this retreat in the, uh, in the mountains of uh, uh, I, um, excuse me, Las Vegas. 
And um, so we believed in their program and that, that rapport program, what it did, we send our people there, we pay for our people to go to this, uh, this you know, leadership program. And it was to um, allow our associates to experience this um, soul searching. It had nothing to do with work. It had nothing to do with leadership even though it's called leadership uh, rapport, it, it, it really was not, it was all about you finding yourself, slowing down enough to find out who you really were, what were your real passions and how can you put those passions to work? And so that's what rapport is. Fantastic. And you can go online and, and uh, read about rapport. It's a, it's a company. Thank you. Hi, Rita. Um, so thank you for being here today. Really, really loved your story. Uh, your energy is just fantastic. And obviously you have so much passion and obviously you're very persistent and that's why you're so successful. Um, can you tell us what your um, biggest lesson learned has been in the face of adversity? Um, believe in yourself. Don't let the voices from the outside get into your head and reduce your you know your your your, your self-esteem you have to always you not let that happen the glass has always got to be half full you always have to have a great positive attitude and you have to surround yourself with people that are going to make that are going to support you and believe in you because it's it is it can get in your head when you have enough you know people say why are you in the room how did you get in the room um and nobody really wants to listen to what you had to say then it can be very discouraging so what i did at a very young age because I, I got to learn it like really young um way before i met rick was i, I just uh, i wouldn't let anybody get into my head i was going to be stronger than all the voices around me saying I can't do it. Thank you. It's like flying the jet. People said Honda came out with a jet and I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the first Honda dealer in the country. I got to learn to fly this thing. You know, and they're like, oh no, you got to go through all this stuff. You know, you got to get all these licenses. And I'm like, put it on my to-do list and just start working at it. Start working at it. I planned and I, and I achieved because I had a written goal. You got to write everything down. I'm a, maybe, you know, people are writing on their phones now, but I'm, I'm still a list, a list person. Thank you. Hi. Rita, I have a question. Um, did your company have a big hit during COVID? And if so, did you have to pivot? And how are you reacting now? Um, great question. I've heard, um, I've heard several of, um, you know, several other speakers in other industries, you know, talking about this. What we did was um, we were very bold in what in what we did. Rick was very sick at the time. Of course, we weren't letting people know that he had cancer. So that was his choice. So I was really running the company for the last couple of years. But um, when COVID hit, um, you know, of course, I was stunned like, oh, wow, you know, what do I do? I'm making all the decisions for 1,300 associates. What am I going to do? So I made the decision from day one. I told my leadership team, I said, we aren't letting anyone go. We, aren't, we are not going to um, let anybody 
off of the payroll. And that was before they came out with, you know, some of these stimulus packages. So we made the decision right in the beginning, we weren't going to let anybody go. And our business dropped dramatically in service and parts. Service and parts and the body shop, our business dropped down 75%. So 25, we had 25% business, if you can understand how significant that was. And we have a tremendous amount of people that work in those departments. So what we did was we put everybody on shifts. We paid them. We paid them. Everybody got paid their pay. We didn't, we didn't, um, they got their average pay from, from the previous year is what we, we did. And we let, we didn't ask them to come to work. We didn't want them to come to work because they would come to work and stand around and it would just be negative. So we just had everybody in shifts. And so everybody would work like one or two days a week and we still paid them. That lasted about um, six weeks, six to eight weeks. About June, uh, the end of May, you know, right in there, we did start opening up and people, we were an essential business, remember. The car dealerships were named an essential business in the states that we were in, Ohio, Georgia, and Florida. They never were closed like they were in Pennsylvania, New York, and some other states. We were always able to stay open. And the manufacturers came out with tremendous deals because they were so afraid they wouldn't sell their cars. So they they came out with 0% financing and giant rebates. And so car sales were brisk because people saw the deals and they came out. We, we did sell a lot of cars at home, you know, deliver at home. That kind of became a something that people were interested in. And we, we had people come to the dealership and sign the paperwork outside on the hood of their new car, you know, they didn't want to come in. So we, we had those challenges, but overall, overall, we did two things. We kept everybody, even though uh, we didn't have any business because we wanted to support our staff because we were loyal to our staff. And we, um, we didn't have as big a downturn as some industries because we kind of snapped back in June. Thank, thank you so much, Rita. Oh my gosh, this has been amazing. You are just amazing. Thank you so much. Can everybody unmute themselves and give a round of applause to Rita Case because um, I, I just could sit here and talk to her all night long. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Sally, take it away. Thank you. I have to move on because I think we've all walked away with just some incredibly inspiring um, information from you. Thank you so much. I have um, a treat for everyone. Uh, we have a young lady today, Maru G. Maru is a poet. She's a creative and well-being practitioner. And she's going to give us some, um, some great 